Thessalonians 2. We're continuing on in our study through Thessalonians tonight. We're going, Lord willing, make it through a whole chapter again tonight. The first three chapters, pretty easy, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty good, pretty encouraging. We looked at 1 Thessalonians 1 last night. And Paul really was was thankful for the people of Thessalonica. He was he was grateful that they are following the Lord and, and were doing good and we're continuing on with some more encouraging stuff tonight. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your good word and I pray God that you just help us to get something from what we read tonight. I pray that as we study through Thessalonians in the next few weeks that there would be something good we could... We could grow from what we hear, and I pray that you hide me behind the cross and help me to do a good job. Help us to give you our attention tonight, dear Lord. We thank you for the freedom to come here, and we thank you for air conditioning and just to be able to relax for a few minutes at the end of a hot day. I pray that you give us a good night, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and we were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but rather God, who examines our hearts. And so Paul is speaking here that they had gone through some tough times. Things had been difficult before they got to Thessalonica, but when they arrived at Thessalonica, they continued to do the work. And even though there was opposition, Paul continued to do the work, and the people of Thessalonica received the work. And they, they many of them became Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. And he said... You know, we didn't come to you to deceive you. Uh, we just came to you uh, approved by God to do this work. And what was the work? To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul and those who were with him, that's what their desire was. And he said that they did not speak to please men, but to please God. Now, that's, that's an important thing for especially anybody who's in ministry to remember. If you're, if you're going to be preaching or you're going to be teaching... The Word of God has to be preached because it is true and it is right. And it does not always go along with what the world says is true or what is right. Now, if we begin to be people pleasers, and this is true of us as Christians in general, not just as preachers and teachers, but if we try to be people pleasers, then oftentimes that will pull us away from preaching and teaching the truth of God. Now, a lot of times... We want people to like us. I mean, some people don't care, or they say they don't care, but I think deep down, we all like it when people like us. And so sometimes we try to please everybody that we can, but the truth of the matter is, is that you can never please everybody. Now, that's true probably tonight right here in this room, because if I said, are some of you cold, you'd say, yep. And I'd say, are some of you hot, you'd say, yep. So what temperature do we put it on to please everybody? Well, there, there is no temperature to please everybody, and so... You can put it in the middle and then everybody can complain. Now, temperature doesn't matter, but there are other areas where we may try to please people. We don't want to offend anybody, and so 
We may not speak the truth when there are opportunities that we should. We may not stand up for things that God's Word says are right because, well, if we do this, it may be offensive to somebody here. It may lead to an argument or they may not like me anymore. Well, those things are all true. Sometimes if we simply speak the truth of God's Word or take a stand for God's Word or live by God's Word, it may cause us to have some relationships that are broken. And that's a horrible thing. We don't, we don't want that to be the case. I mean, anytime we live by God's Word, it's because we want, we want truth to prevail. We want people to know that God loves them. We want, we want people to know what sin is. We want to know what sin is, right? Now, sometimes the Bible is offensive to, offensive to us when we read it, and it says that things that we do are sinful. And we may not want to admit it, but we have to admit it. And Paul said, you know, we didn't shy away from speaking the truth. We did not do this work just to please men. We did it to be approved by God and to show that we were approved by God who examines us and who judges us. And thankfully, when they came to preach the word in Thessalonica, there were some who received the word, and that's a good thing. And so the work that Paul was doing was a good work that was of God and for God, not simply to please people. Let's continue on in verse 5, verses 5 and 6. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Now, Paul said in the last verse, we did it the right way. We had, we had good motives. We were, we were doing it to serve God and to please God. And he points out the way that they didn't do it. Now, this is something we need to be aware of because there are many good preachers and teachers in our world today who do the work of God for the glory of God, to preach and teach the Word of God. However, there are some people in our world today with the title of preacher or teacher, and their motivation is their greed. Their motivation is their fame. And so all that they do... They do to, to butter people up sometimes, to, to flatter people, as Paul says. He says, we didn't flatter you. He said, we didn't come to you because we were greedy. We weren't trying to get something from you. And he said, we didn't, we didn't seek your glory. We weren't looking for fame. We weren't coming through here hoping that people would say, oh, here comes Paul, everybody. Uh, let's, give him, let's give him our money. Let's, let's applaud him. Let's praise Paul because he's such a great apostle of the Lord. Paul says, that's not how I did things. But we must be, be careful because there are plenty of people in our world today who want the glory, who want the spotlight, who want the money. And so all the things they say are happy and good and flattering and to, and to butter people up. And when people come and praise them, they want that praise. They seek that praise. They desire that praise. But really, at the end of the day, many people want money. And money can drive people to do a lot of things. People will do some evil things, and people will take advantage of, of, of well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ who think they are supporting the work of the Lord, but really those who receive the money are using it for their own desires and their own benefit. And so we have to be aware of those folks because they're in our world today. When we see preachers or teachers, whoever they are, whether it's me or anybody else, that's promoting themselves and not the kingdom of God, then don't listen to those preachers. And if it's at this church, you get rid of those preachers, myself included. We have to weed out those who seek their own glory and their own wealth because we want to be led by those like Paul who seek the glory of God and promote the kingdom of God, not to line their own pockets. Verse 7, 
Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you as we preach God's gospel to you. So Paul continues to go on to say, look, you know that we did not come and were greedy. Now he says here, uh, we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. It seems uh, clear here, or, or at least uh, I believe what he's saying here is that he's speaking of financially. He says some of the same language in 2 Corinthians to the people there about being a burden. Uh, and, and not being a burden on the people of Corinth. I think he's speaking financially here, or materialistically. That is, when he come, he was not a burden on the people at all. And why not? Because they worked hard. Paul and the ones that were with him, they worked. They did not want to be a burden on the people. They did not want the people to have to suffer by giving money to provide for Paul's needs. They didn't want the people to have to suffer by bringing their food or their materialistic things. And so he says, look, we have not been a burden to you. This is proof to you. You know for a fact that we came to you because we loved you. We came to serve you. We didn't, we didn't come to take from you. We come to give to you. What did we come to give to you? We came to give to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we gave you that word. We gave you ourselves. We worked hard for you so that you would know the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you would not be under any burden. That's a good quality to see in a leader. And that's what Paul and those who were with him were doing. He says, working night and day. Now that could just be a figure of speech uh, for working hard, or it could have literally been that they worked all day and worked all night. However, you have to assume that they had to rest at some point in time. But the point being that Paul and those with him, they worked. They worked for the Lord. They worked for the good of the people, not to be a burden for the people of Thessalonica. Verse 10, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his, son, with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored uh, each one of you to walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, this, in a, in a way, we might look at verse 10 and say, well, man, Paul's kind of tooting his own horn here, you know, saying, uh, you are witnesses to, as to how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves. Now, based on... Paul's life and Paul's writings, uh, I would venture to say that he's not writing this out of a sense of pride or of boasting as, look how good I am, but he's simply saying, we've been a good example to you. You can see that we have been a good example to you. Uh, I don't think Paul is going in there with the, we're holier than, than thou attitude, we're holier than all of you attitude. I think he's just saying uh, in humility, look, we've been a good example to you, and you can see that we've been a good example to you. We've shown you how to live, and that's, again, what we want in good leaders and good teachers and good preachers is we want people who are good examples. That's, that's part of what it means. And again, not just for those in leadership, but for those who are of Christ, we are to be a good example to those that we encounter. We want it to be said of us, not, not so we can pat ourselves on the back, but, but it should be said of us that we are good examples to those we encounter. I mean, that's good when people say that about us. We don't want it to go to our head, but, but hopefully we live our life in a way that, that we are being good examples to the Lord and the way that we live and the things that we do. And he says, like a father to his own children, we encouraged, comforted, uh, and, and implored 
each of you. And so this is a message of encouragement. I mean, Paul really loves these people. He's really caring about these people. He's come in knowing that he could face opposition, but he's come in and he's preached the word and he's worked hard not to burden them financially in any way or, or materialistically. And he's done the work and he's been, uh, he's been obedient to God and he hasn't, he hasn't tried to be greedy or, or flatter them. He's just come in and he's loved on them and he's taken care of them uh, by preaching and teaching them the word of God and encouraging them in the Lord. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Verse 13. This is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the message about God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the message of God, which also works effectively in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's church in Christ Jesus that are in Judea since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are always completing the number of their sins, and wrath has overtaken them at last." Now, Paul is thrilled that the Thessalonians here welcomed him. Why? Because they faced persecution. Paul and those with him had faced persecution. He goes on to say, look, even God's people, the Jewish people, what did they do? They, they killed Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus and his message. But Paul is continuing to do the work, even though he may face opposition, even though he faced hard times in Philippi, as we saw at the beginning of the chapter. He's continuing to do the work. And even though these these listeners and hearers at Thessalonica hear what Paul has to say. Well, they can hear it, but they may not follow him. They may say, man, the, it's, it's going to be too difficult. And what did we look at in the passage we looked at last week? We talked about in one of the places that Paul went, uh, there was rioting in the streets. That was, their, that was their ploy to deter people from listening and following Paul, right? And so if the, if the rioters and the crowd creates enough chaos and gets you scared enough, it may keep you from listening to the one who's speaking the truth. That was the plan that we saw in the passages we looked at last week in Acts. And so uh, you have to think that that was a possibility here in Thessalonica too. I mean, the people could have said, all right, Paul, we're going to listen to what you say. We're going to follow Jesus. I mean, there, there, there certainly were people there that, that were not happy about what was going on. And Paul says, even though you could have faced a lot of persecution for following you still followed. You listened to the message. Uh, this is the way of Christianity, brothers and sisters. This happened to Jesus. It happened to the early church. It still happens today. It happens in our country. It happens all over the world. Now, praise the Lord in these United States of America. The persecutions that we face are, are not nearly as bad as, as in most places in the world. Now, perhaps there are Christians that get killed in the United States, maybe. Uh, but there certainly are in other countries. And so... This is, this is Christianity. When we try to do the Lord's work and speak the truth, there is going to be opposition. It's not, it's not a question of will there be opposition. It's a question of when we will meet that opposition. Now, maybe you've never met it, but if we live by the Lord, especially in today's culture, we're, we're getting pressed harder and harder. Our backs are kind of against the wall in a lot of areas, and there are, there are simply times that come up that we cannot be quiet, that we have to say, no, I don't agree with that. No, I'm not going to stand for that. No, I don't support that. Uh, used to be in this country, uh, a lot of people were Christians. And speaking your Christian values and the word of God and the truth of God 
was not a big deal. I mean, there would be people that didn't like to hear it. But nowadays, you're faced with more and more people who don't want to hear that truth. And so we have to be willing to say, even though we may face persecution, we have to be ready to stand for, for the truth of God's Word. And that's what the people of Thessalonica had done. That's what Paul had done. Uh, he had been a good example. Obviously, they had heard the message. It was not a human message. It was a message that came from God. So this was not just Paul out there trying to convince people to follow him. No, he's, he preached the truth of the gospel. And that's the message that the people of Thessalonica had received and were living by. Uh, those who were bringing the trouble, however, it said that they are always completing, adding to, building up the number of their sins, uh, and wrath has overtaken them at last. And so even though sometimes we have opposition, we will overcome our opposition, either in this life or in the life to come, but we will overcome our opposition. Verse 17, But as for us, brothers... After we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. Now, this type of language is, is common in Paul's letters. I mean, there's a certain level of, of love that you see because when he writes to these people, like, he really longs to see them. And he says that. He says, I'm not with you in person, but I'm with you in heart. Paul really cares about all of these different places that he's writing these letters back to. He wants to see those who put their faith in Christ do good. He wants to see them stand strong. You don't want to see them give up. You don't want to see them turn back to the old ways. He wants to see them, even in the face of persecution, to do good. And so he writes and he encourages them and he instructs them, instructs them and he lets them know how much he loves them and how much he misses them. And we get that, right? Because we have people in our life that we love and that we miss. And sometimes we may call them on the phone or we may write them letters and our words may sound similar to Paul's in that way. Verse 18, So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, in what way Satan hindered Paul, it's hard to know. Uh, there was obviously something going on in Paul's life that, that he attributed to Satan working to hinder him from doing what he wanted to do. Now, what that hindering looked like, I'm not sure. Perhaps it was a time of imprisonment for Paul. I mean, Paul was constantly imprisoned, which would have, which would have definitely kept him from being able to do some of the work that he wanted to do. Whatever the reason was, he acknowledged that the devil was hard at work during his ministry, and uh, that had kept him from being able to uh, see him as he wanted to. Verse 19, For who is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. And so Paul is rejoicing here. And in, in, in the time of Jesus' coming, what was Paul rejoicing in? That there were going to be other brothers and sisters in Christ from Thessalonica that were going to be part of the kingdom of God. And that brought joy to his life. And so on that day that Jesus uh, returns, uh, there is going to be joy when we, when we lead people to the Lord. I mean, that's a good day. We want to see lost souls come to know Jesus Christ and for their sins to be forgiven. And he says, therefore, you are our glory and joy. Now, I don't, I don't think that... that that, that Paul is overlooking Jesus here. Of course, uh, there is joy and glory for Paul in the Lord, but he's also rejoicing in these people of Thessalonica, that he is going to rejoice because they had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, we see a theme here throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians that you're going to notice. Toward the end of chapter 1, 
Paul spoke about the second coming of Jesus. And here at the end of chapter 2, he speaks about the coming of Jesus. And you will see that throughout the rest of the book. At the end of the chapters, he speaks about the coming of Jesus. This seems to be a theme that Paul is discussing here in 1 Thessalonians. Of course, we will talk more about that as we continue to make our way through the book. And as we get toward the end of 1 Thessalonians and into 2 Thessalonians, there's going to be a couple of scriptures that are tough that we're going to have to really dig into to figure out what in the world is Paul talking about. But so far, everything's not too bad for us. It's really good. It's a really happy book. Everything is great. The people of Thessalonica are doing good. Paul's doing the work. And Paul is rejoicing that these people are standing by the Lord. He's been a good example. They're being a good example in the midst of their persecution. And, and, and no matter what has come their way, they are continuing to do good in the word in the Lord. And Paul is, is writing them these words to encourage them and to be grateful for their fellowship with God and their salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that we would live our life in such a way that we could be a good example in all we do. God, let us not be those that are driven by greed and our own glory and our own, uh, our own, our own applause, God, that people would somehow look to us. God, we don't want to fall into that trap. So let us not be those that flatter, but let us be those who speak your word, dear Lord, and live by your word, the truth. And God, there is so much beautiful in the truth of your word. There is so much great in the truth of your word, so much joy in the truth of your word. But God, there's some tough stuff in there too, and we gotta, we got to try to live by that, and we got to try to stand by that. God, in a world that does not want to hear the truth, God, we have to be those who live by it. So help us to, to, to stand by your word, dear Lord, even in the midst of persecution that we may, we may be up against. Let us not, let us not cave. Let us not, let us not try to please people. But God, in all we do, let us try to please you. God, let us be found faithful like Paul to try to lead others into your kingdom, to lead others to Jesus Christ so that their sins may be forgiven. God, I pray that we would find joy in that. God, that they would find joy in Jesus and we would find joy in Jesus and we would all find joy in knowing, God, that, that, that souls have been saved. And God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.